Hi, Praise Chapel Paramount. This is Pastor Robert Santiago. This past Wednesday, I spoke about excuses and how they can be a giant in your life. They actually can be a way to amputate your faith and your spirit. I told the story about uh, John chapter 5 where Jesus tells the invalid man, do you want to get well? If so, get up, pick up your mat and walk. In our own lives, we feel the same way sometimes. Jesus is telling us to get well or asking us if we want to get well. And, he, and we respond by not picking up our mat or making up some excuse of why we shouldn't pick up our mat and walk. So many times we can get lost in our faith um, just by looking at what's in front of us and letting it defeat us rather than just looking to Jesus and putting our trust in him. I hope you guys enjoy the sermon. God bless you guys. And we'll see you next week. Um, before I begin and we get too spiritual, um, I have a confession. I spilled coffee all over my shirt about 20 minutes ago. Um, I know you're looking for it, but believe it or not, um, I'm wearing Isaac's shirt right now. Um, so I may look a little funny to you, you know, because I'm not really filling it out the way he does on the upper body. So just bear with me on that, okay? Because I did tell him the worship just felt different. I think it had to do with, I'm wearing this mantle. You know, I'm wearing, I just feel this, this heavy spirit on me. And uh, I think it's the sweater. So, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite funny, actually. I don't want to spend too much time on this. I only have a limited amount of time. Um, but I just felt weird because I spilled it in front of, you know, Pastor Omar and Pastor Isaac in the pastor's office. And um, they were so helpful. They were like, take off your shirt, this and that. And Pastor Omar is like getting something from the floor, plugging it in, and it was like a heater. And... And I'm like, this just feels weird because I'm supposed to be your armor bearer, and you guys are like my armor bearer right now. And uh, I said, just get my wife, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so <laughs> it just wasn't working. Isaac got me like these wipes, and he's like, you got to put one, uh, unbutton your shirt, you got to put one underneath, and then you're going to dab it. And Pastor Omar's trying to make me feel better. He's like, it happens all the time. And I'm like, that's never happened to you. And he, so uh, needless to say, I'm pretty much a mess right now, um, but that's not going to be an excuse of what I'm going to talk about tonight, amen, because the title of my sermon tonight is uh, Identifying Excuses for Your Spiritual Growth, okay, and, and uh, I, I just felt it really heavy in my heart to speak this to you as we're talking about giants must fall, I wanted to do something that was internal, something that we as human beings do very well, and that's give excuses. And it wasn't until I realized several things, I just want to go over these several things with you that really helped my spiritual growth. Number one, I first started to realize I couldn't live moment to moment with God. Now, what do I mean by that? Moment to moment with God, meaning I waited for God's presence, I felt it, I ran off of that, and I'm waiting again. And it, it just became this spiral that began to take place where I'm like looking for a miracle, looking for God to move. And I started to look in other people, how God has begun to move in other people throughout the church. And I begin to compare myself to those people and what God is doing in their life, wondering why the same thing is not happening in my life. And so I lived circumstance by circumstance with God. 
if I felt God, I felt great. When I didn't feel God, I felt terrible. And then I started to realize more and more what a, a disaster my spirituality became. Because it was an excuse. I would tell myself, well, I don't feel anointed anymore because I haven't heard God for a long time. So therefore, I'm going to chillax at home on a Wednesday night instead of come to church. See, you got to take a stance. It's not always about what you feel. It's, it's more about what you've done for God. One of my favorite things to do is serve in the church. Um, the opportunity came for these screens. Right? And, and I, I realized, like, wow, that's a lot of work. We're going to build a stage. We're going to put the screens up. We're going to rewire everything. We're going to put up new lighting. We're going to reposition it. We're going to get new subwoofers. You know, we're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to do a lot of work. You know? But I got to tell you, I looked all week to do that. I was only available one day, but I looked all week for that day to help. And I just felt really good about it. You know, and and Francis Chan, I'm reading, I've read several books by Francis Chan. He's one of my favorite authors, and he's, I feel like it's one of those books, one of those authors that just continues to pour into my life every time I buy one of his books. But he says this, there are millions of people in our country who call themselves Christians because they believe the Christian life is about admiring Christ's example and not realizing that there is a call to actually follow it. You could go off living your Christianity And admiring Christ, just like I was doing, living circumstance by circumstance, feeling by feeling. And and you have to realize at some point that you have to follow it. It can't just be, oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. I admire him and what he did for me. What are you doing about it? What are you actually doing about it? The other thing. Uh, that Francis Chan wrote is he says there are givers and takers in the church. This is a little controversial. I'm just warning you. He says givers give their spirituality back to the church. And takers sit there waiting for the church staff to feed them. If you think that you're sitting back and letting the church staff feed you, that won't be the most fulfillment in your life. There are givers and takers. I want you to measure yourself. Ask yourself, are you a giver? Or are you a taker? It wasn't until I felt that I, get, I needed to give back and I started giving back that that activated something in me and that something was the Holy Spirit moving inside of me, understanding that I can use that spirit to affect other people. And, and other people's lives begin to change, not because of my ambition or anything like that. It's because the Holy Spirit decided to use me because I said, I want to be a giver. It wasn't a feeling. It was opportunities that I recognized through Christ, and it brought me closer to him. See, if we live circumstance by circumstance, it's the same thing as living paycheck to paycheck. I know a lot of us have done that, where we've lived paycheck to paycheck. Meaning you have nothing in savings, you got nothing in reserves. The moment a disaster hits, you can't afford it. In other words, you've ran out of faith. Amen. When I was 20 years old, that's like 16 years ago. You do the math. See how old I am. <laughs> 16 years ago, I had been to this church, I think, for maybe two, I don't know. Two, my wife always gets mad at me because I get it wrong. I think two or three years. I, I could be way off. Um, I think it was like 20 years ago, I was, I was in a Bible study, and, and um, 
I was loving it. I found the church, um, and I really liked Praise Chapel Paramount. And I, I, lo- I loved the people, and I loved what, that people greeted me, and um, they were so friendly. And this was a long time ago, and I feel like nothing's really changed. I feel like we're the same way, praise God. But I remember um, I, I got invited to a, a what we call, bi- back then it was Bible studies, today it's connect groups. I got invited to a Bible study. I became very close with that leader. And, um, you know, he had me teach. And, and then, like, two years in, he said, I'm going to start a church. And I remember one day, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe I'll go with him. You know, Pastor Omar shows up at, at, at the connect group or the, the Bible study. I'm like, hey, welcome, man. That's awesome. You're here, you know, like, that's awesome. And I didn't realize he was dividing it. And I, right? And he literally, I think he literally did this. Everyone on this side of the room, you go. You're going to go with that guy. And then we'll go, that guy? I started going, that guy? What? Well, I, you know, hey, Robin, why don't you go with that guy? I'm like, oh, that's the new guy. That's the new guy. That's the new Bible study. Yeah. Well, I wanted to go. No, you're not going with him. You go with that guy. I'm like, that's not good for me. I'm like, I was really good with that guy. And I realized, you know, man, it's not really about who you're underneath, man. It's, it's about obedience. You know? I went through four different Bible studies. I think it was four. My wife will correct me later. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's four. Because we were dating at the time. And I followed her. Um, but I, I think it was four. Okay? Um, but I think it was four. And um, it was good because each time I found opportunity. Um, I, literally, I literally learned through that process that I can actually help and serve. Um, in other, instead of complaining about an issue, I can help be the solution to that issue. They trusted me. Um, and, and, and we grew it, right? And then we divided it. And then we grew it again. And then we divided it. And I went with different people each time. And I got to tell you, it was probably the best thing for me. It really was. And at that time, I was in youth ministry. And the youth ministry, guys, happened on Thursdays. And we were required to be in Bible study on Fridays. So if you complain, oh, there's so much church. There was a lot more before. You know, it's not like that today. Everything happens on Friday. But back then, it was Thursday. We would have a service. And then Friday, we'd have Bible study. And it was, it, was just, it was just good to be in that atmosphere, be amongst other people that love Jesus. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1-5, through 5, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul writing this. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness. Timid, trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. When I saw that, I was, when I read that, I was, whoa, what the heck? 
Paul just really relied on the power of God. In other words, when I would complain about, oh, you know, I don't know, I should go with this Bible study, I should go to that Bible study. It doesn't matter. You are to grow regardless of the people that are speaking. So don't come to me after this sermon and say, I didn't really enjoy it, I didn't get anything out of it. Because I just read to you some scripture where you should have got something out of that. If you didn't, then there's something wrong with you. Right? Because it's not about what the words that I speak, how eloquent I can say it, how, how I could deliver anything. It doesn't matter. What matters is that God, I'm reading God's word, and that alone should be enough for your spirituality. Stop making excuses. I've ran into other Christians, like, you know, throughout the years, and I ask them, you know, do you like your church? Well, I'm looking for a church. Like, oh, okay. How long have you been looking for a church? About, you know, like two, three years. I'm like, dude, two, three years? How many churches you been to? Yeah, like two or three. So you go to their Christmas services or what? Easter? You know, I'm, I'm just like, you know, if you're a Christian, you should be in church. You know, and it's always like, well, I got to find the right one. It's got to be perfect for me, you know. And then over the years, we've also had people walk in from other churches like, well, you need to do things this way. And it's like, well, what do you mean? You, you left that church, <laughs> Right? I think you said that at our leaders meeting, Pastor Omar. You know, it's like, well, you left that church. You know, we do things with God in mind first. We do things with God in mind first. Okay? But if we rely on our own wisdom, I remember I relied on my own wisdom when I was like 15. How many have relied on their own wisdom when they were 15? Some of you are lying in here. When you're 15, right, when you're a teenager, you're relying on your own wisdom. It usually doesn't work out the way you plan it. Because inside of us, there is something that takes place, and it's a distraction, and it's excuses. We can make excuses for everything. I remember what I was, uh, I, I was, if you guys didn't know, I played water polo for a long time, okay? Well, praise God, we got a fellow player in here, okay? And it was like my life. My dad can attest this. This was my life, man. I was morning practices, after school practices, year round. It was amazing. I had an amazing time. I learned a lot. I feel like I grew up doing that. And uh, I remember there was this one guy that I would compete with all the time, but when it came to fourth quarter, you know, we're tired, we're exhausted, and, you know, it's a close game, it's a close match, and, and coach would call his number. And he would always have an excuse. I don't know, coach, I got a cramp. I don't know, coach, I got a cramp. I can't do it. You know, we'd run these sets, we'd run these plays, and, and, and I'd be like, you know, Sean, oh, I said his name, and I'm on the live stream. I said, miss you, Sean. You know, Sean, I'm all in now. Can't rewind that one back. I said, you know, Sean, uh, you know, I got a cramp, too. And, you know, really, I, you got to take this one, dude. He's like, I can't do it, coach. I can't do it. I, I can't go on. It's just sub me out. I'm like, why would you want to get out? Like, this is, we're on a timeout. We got like 15 seconds left to run a set to win this game. And I remember a coach goes, you're not getting out. You're not getting out of the water. And he yells at him. He goes, Santiago, we're going to go to you, and you pass it right to him. You make your cut, you pass it right, right to him, right? And Sean just starts crying. 
And coach is like, no, he's going to do it. He's so mad at him. He's going to do it. He's making excuses. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we're sitting there, and I'm like, man, I really want to win this game. You know? So bonehead. This is what happens. And this is like to get into, like, the league championship game. No joke. I'll never forget this. I could see Sean still crying as we get up and we line up. Because in water polo, you line up and then you run your set. The ref blows his whistle, you go. So he's rolling up. I could see him. He's just kind of crying a little bit. And I go, dude, I don't want this guy to take the last shot to get us there. I'm going to hook it and I'm going to try to take a half court. And I took that half court and that sucker sailed right over the, the whole goal. And my coach goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm trying to win the game. He's like, well, you just lost us the game. Remember the locker room that day? My teammates were upset at me. But mind you, I just didn't trust the guy. And my coach pulled me aside. I never forget what he told me. He said, you know what? He's like, you got to trust your coach. You got to trust your authority. And he goes, I go, yeah, but I didn't trust the player. It's not against you. He goes, you got it? He goes, no. Next time I call a play, because I, I was going to be like a senior the following year. He's like, next time I call a play, you obey it. If not, I take you out. I'm like, all right, I'm sorry. He's like, yeah. He goes, I don't care if that boy's crying. You give him the ball. Mind you, Sean was like six feet. So it was like, I, get, I understood it. Like after I started thinking about it on my drive home, he was like six feet. So he probably could have made the shot if I had just paid attention. But again, I didn't listen to his authority. I went off my wisdom. And then I began to make excuses of why I wanted to win it. Right? Exactly, you know, you, you can't always have the mama mentality if you're not ready for it. You can't. Like, you just, you got to respect authority, number one. Right? Instead of making an excuse, well, I don't trust this person, I don't trust that person. This person leads that ministry, I don't like the way they do it. That person's a leader, I don't care. I know more than he does about the Bible, I don't care. Right? I preach better than him. I don't care. I can do prayer. I don't care. He can't. I, that all needs to stop. That mindset is an excuse in your head that is beginning to tear you down. And it shows and it starts to reflect in other people. Like It's just like a disease. It begins to spread across the church. I want to read you guys another Old Testament story. Let me just give you some context around it. Moses had passed away as he was getting the Israelites through the desert. And it was this young boy named Joshua that took the reins and said, I'm going to get, I'm going to take these people to the promised land. So Joshua, if you know the whole conquest, just read the book of Joshua, you'll go through the whole conquest of what happens. You know, the walls of Jericho begin to fall and he marches through and he follows God's orders. And there's times where he communicates to God you know, and ask God for strategy of how to win these wars. And it's just a great book. I encourage you guys to read it. Uh, but it, it goes over war strategy and everything. But it also has a, encompasses prayer and spirituality that Joshua seeked God in the midst of just when they're about to die sometimes. In the midst of, of, of a big foe, a big giant or opponent, he would stop and pray and hear from God. And God would respond because he prayed, because he stopped in his tracks to do that. However, Joshua also dies. Let's read Judges chapter 2, verses 8 
through 10. I'm going to have it up on the screen behind me. It's a, it's a, a good chunk of scripture, so just bear with me. But it says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at uh, Timoth, I don't even know how to say it, Timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount uh, Gash. After that, now listen, this is important. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did, ev- did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. The Baals was another god. They forsook the Lord, uh, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. So it became influence. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asterisks. Verse 14, in his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of the raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they are no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. See, when you begin to put excuses in your life, right, when you begin to ignore the things that God has done for you, the things of the past, what you've been brought out of, your testimony that you don't think about because you're looking forward to being like somebody else. When you don't stop and do those things, it causes confusion. That confusion becomes an excuse for you to not progress in your spirituality. See, the Israelites failed to stop and recognize what God had done in their history. It didn't get passed down. In other words, they didn't catch it. They probably didn't catch it, church, because they had excuses. They were looking for something else rather than looking forward to what God had planned for them. See, we can create our own circumstance in our mind to say, if God puts me in this circumstance, then I will move. Rather than saying, God, give me a circumstance so I can move. Amen? Probably one of my greatest fears is not passing on the joy, the love, and the grace that God has given me. You know, I, I just lo- I, I love when I, I meet people like, I meet people that are Christians and they just, they're just joyful. I love that. See, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is a constant. I mean, it's a constant. Through anything, you are just joyful. Through the worst of circumstances, you are positive. You are optimistic. You know that there is a greater purpose. There is a divine connection that is taking place. And that alone should bring joy into your life. It should be a focus that you have in your life saying, am I going to be joyful today? I love, I didn't, I didn't plan to say this, but I love my wife because she says this all the time. She says, you can choose how you feel today. You can choose how you feel today. And there's times where I'm at work and I'm like, man, I wish I could just go home and play video games or just go to church. I don't want to be here around these people right now, you know. I go through that. You know, man, I just can't wait to get home or I can't, you know, you, it's not that I hate my job. It's just like, I, you know, I want to be in my element. I want to be... And sometimes I tell myself, hey, you have a bad attitude. Where's your joy at? You know? 
And we keep making excuses, excuses of why we're not growing. And we find it in other people. Well, you know, I, I just don't know. I, my connect group leader, he just, he's not, you know, as sharp as me. Or he's, you know, God's just not using the right people, for the right authority in my life. Or I'm just not getting anything from the Sunday sermons. Or I'm not, and I, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how can you not get anything from the Bible? You're just making it an excuse because you're looking for some moment from some circumstance that you had planned in your life that's not taking place when God's trying to give you something better and he's putting a circumstance to step you to that other one. Quick story. I was, um, I know everyone tells me I love your stories. I think I told this one already, so sorry. Um, but it's such a good one. And I learned a lot. I told you I was in youth ministry Fresh Fire a long time ago. I mean, this was a long time ago, okay? And I was a leader there. And I remember we're trying to run a service, right? And we're putting it together. And Omar, of course, you were there. Omar, Omar was on the worship team. I mean, the guy's been worshiping since he came out of the womb, man. Um, and Omar, I think Omar would remember this. There were times where, man, the Spirit of God would just drop heavy on these kids. And they would begin to cry. So I was a head usher. My perspective was, I need to get tissues everywhere. You know, everywhere. Because this the spirit of God is falling. People are dropping. You know, and I'm like, man, this is heavy. But there were times where that didn't take place. I remember one of the fellow leaders at the time was, when we had our leaders meeting for Fresh Fire, he was like, well, I just feel like we're not getting it from God. And I just, and, and, and I remember talking um, um, to Angel Flores at the time, who, who, was the, who was the lead pastor, lead youth pastor at the time. And he, he, I learned something from him. He said, you know, you're, we're always waiting for some emotional moment. It doesn't have to be an emotional moment. That's not what this is about. We're here to serve, praise God. You know, we're using it as an excuse, you know, like that's the giant. It's like, well, we have to live... I don't know, I just don't feel it. You know, it's like, that's okay. Get on your knees and pray. Lord, thank you so much. You know, I'm so thankful that what you've done for me, you you could still give God praise. You don't have to feel a certain way to do that. You know, you you don't have to feel a certain way to do those things. You can go pray for people you don't like at the altar. Guess what? You'll start liking them. You start praying for people at the altar. Well, I just don't feel it, you know. I just I'm tired. I had a long day. I had a long day. Well, now you should be resting in the Lord. Is your day still long? Because there's an extra song on the screen, and sorry, you know, God wants to move. It's not all about you. You know, how do you react when you don't hear from God? That's my question to you. How do you react when you don't hear from God? Think about that. Well, God, I didn't hear from you. I guess I'm going to dodge this week at service or be mean to my wife. You know, the world's falling apart. You know, are you just in distress? You know, just like it said in, 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 in the verse I read to you, just like the Israelites, are you just in distress because you've forgotten what God has brought you out of? And you just want to go off a moment after moment after moment. And it's like, God, this is my excuse. Yeah, I don't hear from you, so I'm not going to worship you. You know, I live that life. 
I lived that life. That was a dumb life to live. Those are dark times in my, in, not only in my personal life, but also in my spiritual life. You know, where I, I realized, oh, God, why are you doing this to me? This isn't fair. You know, and I would use words like, it's unjust to God, and yell at him at the moon. You know, very emotional moments trying to connect with him, and nothing would happen. You know, and it's like, you know, why don't you just praise me for a little bit, bud? You know, I'll, I'll be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something very personal. Um, I used to live uh, on, on Ocean Boulevard in Long Beach. Um, and and uh, is there something wrong with that? Sorry, I'm not from your hood. If you didn't know, I'm not even from this county. Yeah, Ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All kinds of weird stuff out there. But check this out. I would go... Um, I was in college, and I had made this little skateboard. I made this little skateboard. I thought I was cool. Yeah, I was like 22, you know. I was still a kid. But I had made this skateboard, and uh, I had gotten into photography. Uh, and I would go at 2 a.m., and I would skate throughout Long Beach. And it was beautiful because nobody would be out, right? And I remember I'd go to the pier on the pike. I'd skate all the way down to the other pier. On ocean, all the way on Belmont, Belmont Shores Pier, Belmont Pier. And, um, you know, they had that walkway, and I would just skateboard on it. And uh, it wasn't until then I would just talk to God. And those were some of the best moments I've ever had in my spirituality with God. I literally would just skate and talk to him. And I would, it wouldn't start off that way. It would start off as a photography thing. But then I just felt like God is like, hey, nobody's around. I'm going to talk to you. And God's trying to do that a lot of the times, but you're too busy to recognize it. Sometimes you just need to give God his time. You know, just give him his time. We need to stop finding reasons to ignore it. I want to share with you another another, um, scripture found in John chapter 5. You know, we can sometimes think God is silent in our lives. And I got to tell you, that is not a good excuse for you not to grow. Um, The song we just sang, Waymaker, even talks about that, right? Even when you don't see, someone help me out here. Oh, you guys are so excited. Future worship leaders all around here. Even when you, what is it? Even when you, Never stop working. Did you guys know that? That song says that? Even when you don't see it, I'm working. Even when you don't feel it, I'm working. Those are some powerful worship words, man. So it's not an excuse. We see that throughout the Bible with the Israelites. They didn't hear. And if you know your Bible gets into even even to more, like after Joshua had died, you go into the book of Judges. And they keep renouncing God. They keep worshiping Baal. And God would put judges and just to guide them back. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. If you know your Old Testament, you'll know the character of God very well. Because he continues prophets, judges, not enough, 
Let's bring my son. That's the chronological order of how much God loves you. He never gave up on you. Amen. His son, Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. John chapter 5. I believe, oh, did I give you guys a verse? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, this is a story. This is a parable. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. How exciting. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Peteza, right? And which is surrounded by five, color, five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie here. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in the conditions for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now let's continue to read. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. These are Jesus' words, not mine, okay? The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. It's a powerful story. There's a lot there. But I just want to remind you guys, do you want to get well? And then when the opportunity takes place, are you really going to listen? When the opportunity presents itself, are you going to react? What actions are you going to do? Because this man, he had an excuse. He said, you know what? I can't get into that pool. Jesus said, no, you get up and walk. Pick up your mat. Sometimes you guys just need to get up and walk. Sometimes you just need to get up and do it. Prayer on Saturday mornings, get up and do it. Prayer at, you know, your own personal prayer life at 5, 6 a.m., get up and do it. Your Bible reading, get up and do it. Do you want to get well? Get up and do it. There's going to be people in your life that are going to oppose you, just like what happened here. How that man was opposed. He said, you know what? It's the Sabbath. You shouldn't be picking up your mat. You shouldn't be doing those things. And well, this guy told me to pick up my mat and I'm healed. And then what does the Bible say? It says, Jesus says, he says, he sees him later and he says, see, you were well again. Again. Well, again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders, it was Jesus who had made him well. When God gets you well, you need to talk about it. Don't make an excuse like, oh yeah, God did something in my life. When God does something in your life, share it. Amen. 
I want to give you guys, I'm running out of time. They're so mean. There are a couple things that I wrote down um, to overcome your excuses. One thing I want to tell you, stop waiting and start praying. There are times where we will just wait on God rather than try to seek him. But how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait before you do something for your spirituality? You need to continually do something. Don't be there waiting when you should be praying. The other thing is be grateful. Understand what God has taken you out of with the understanding what God's going to bring you into. Stop listening to other people's excuses and making them your own. That's a big thing that I struggle with. I always say, well, you know, so-and-so, he doesn't go to these meetings or he doesn't go. Who cares? Stop worrying about other people. Stop listening to their excuses. Stop operating off their excuses. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. The other thing is, and I feel this really heavy in my spirit to tell you guys is, stop using your church experience as an excuse to not serve God. You have to stop that. Because we'll find things to nitpick at and say, you know, I don't like that church anymore. And I'm not saying that because, oh, he just wants us to be at the church. I, I'm going to be candid. I didn't get saved at a praise chapel. Did you know that God operates? God operates, okay? And I've been to other churches. This is a good church, okay? This is a good church. All right? I'm not just saying that. This is a great church. But stop using a church experience as an excuse not to serve God. I don't like the TVs. I, the lighting's hitting my face. I don't, I don't know. Like, there's not enough fog. There's a, the microphones don't sound great. Is, the sound is too loud. I get them all. I get them all. Okay? I know them all. There's, the lights are still going to be blinding. There's nothing we could do about that. Okay? We, we just like to party for Jesus. Amen? I want to leave you with my final thought. Excuses are a recipe that amputates your faith and spirit. Excuses are a recipe to disaster. They will tear down your faith. They're going to tear down your spirit. There are going to be people telling you excuses of why you shouldn't be at this church. Excuses of why you shouldn't follow God. Excuses of why you shouldn't do things for God. There are going to be people that don't, they're going to try to speak life into you, and they're very knowledgeable on the surface. They're probably a mentor to you, but take it with a grain of salt because you have something inside you that's greater than any wisdom that they have in them, and that's Jesus. Jesus gives you more wisdom than any college can give you. I went to college. Jesus changed my life, not my college. I'm not a product of the school I went to. I'm a product of Jesus. I'm not a product... I want you to hear one more thing. I'm not a product of my career. My career does not define me. Jesus defines me. And the same should go for you. Your excuses are a giant in your life. Can I have the worship team come up? Your excuses are a giant in your life. You need to be able to identify those excuses immediately. Take them captive. The Bible says take every thought captive. Take those excuses captive. Because if you continue to run off of excuses, 
you are going to amputate your spiritual life. It'll be cut off from you. In other words, the joy that you have now will not be there. I've, I've experienced it in my own life. And I'm not here, I didn't, just, I didn't just want to come up here and tell you guys, you know, a bunch of stuff. I really gave this some thought. I really gave it some prayer. And I, I really felt God said, I want you to talk about this. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time at all up here. I feel like there's people in here that heard what I had to say, and they're measuring their life right now. I'm going to tell you one other story. I didn't have this planned. I, went, I, I had the honor of going to the Baltimore Ravens chapel recently when they were here in L.A. It was such an honor to be there. I met the chaplain for the team. And he says for every sermon that he speaks, and I got to meet the players, it was amazing. For every sermon he speaks, he puts three chairs in front of the pulpit. One, two, and three. I should probably should have probably did this. And he, he wanted to tell me what those represented. He says the first chair. And every he says every player knows this at the start of the season. He says the first chair represents the renewed man, someone that's following Jesus. Someone that has just got all feet in for Jesus. The middle chair is somebody that's got one foot in, one foot out. He goes, Robert, that third chair, the far one, that's the man that's denied Jesus and won't take up his cross. He says, every player knows what seat they sit in. He says, I may not reference it every sermon, but he goes, they know what seat they sit in. Some of you, when you accepted Christ, for the very first time, you know how far you were going to take it. And you might be struggling to realize that God wants to take you farther than what you had expected. He wants to take you farther than you ever imagined. And you're pushing back on it. You're pushing back on him stretching you, putting more weight on you. You're pushing back on those things. And you're trying to build a wall because it's becoming too much. We don't like accountability. That's why we have excuses. And the Bible holds you accountable. God's spirit and his power, it'll hold you accountable. That conviction and that guilt, when you do something wrong, you know is ungodly. That alone is discipleship from the Holy Spirit himself. And if you decide to put an excuse in front of that, shame on you guys because God wants to do more with you than you can ever imagine. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.